Whiskey, November, Romeo, Papa. To all units, proceed to your post assignments. All units, proceed to your post assignments. Commanding a man to fight for a cause takes skill. Commanding a man to fight for his life is child's play. Colonel Wolfgang Hansen, Hansen's Rough Riders. You are listening to Wolfnet Radio, the only podcast proven to cure your dog's anxiety. I'll be your host this afternoon, since it's only 1323. Matthew the Humble Bum, Bloodbath Barons. Uh, today, we got a great show for you. Co-host today will be Andrew, I Want Names, Minnow Crawl. Good evening, guys. Afternoon. Hey. I'm sorry. It is afternoon. We just went yeah. over that. It is afternoon. And always, Aaron, everything is getting boxed this week. Coach Crawl. Hopefully. Good <laughs> afternoon, everyone. And Luke Blah, Charles Gideon Dirks. Hello, Wolfnet. Blah. And last but not least, Thomas Too Soon, Silent Sea Raven Kruger. What's too soon? <laughs> everything. So sounds like a personal problem. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and today, special guest joining us all the way from Spain, Barcelona. Scratch that, reverse it. Barcelona, Spain. Excuse me, Mister Friendship Missiles himself from beautiful Barcelona, Spain. Augustine W. Cirio, Barja, Barja, sure. God and Davian, and Happy Bladed Birthday. From Aww. April fifteenth, and we remember he's single and an Aries, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome yeah. to the show. Happy birthday! Thank you, guys. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here and spread more friendship for all of you. <laughs> Man, that game sucked. <laughs> Just so, right so, <laughs> so to I'm go back in the day. Hell, we this had, was three or four. This three or four years ago now, right? Yeah, we had a Gen Con Masters and Minions. Uh, there were what four of us playing against you, Augustine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four of us. It was the four. It was four of us, and then it was Augustine, and it was uh, Craig Gulage. Yeah, Craig. <laughs> Such a good time. Yeah, I and believe we Aaron was... crapped out on us on a wedding. Yeah, he did. Oh, was that the wedding that's year? Right. Yeah. Oh. We were so undergunned for that game, and the terrain didn't go to suit us at all. <laughs> I think I popped over a hill and I got cored in the first, like the first couple rounds. I have yeah. those mechs here. We had Augustine was running a Templar and a longbow, and Craig was running two Black Knights, and we were medium weight. I mean, yeah. I, we weren't very heavy at all. Like I had um, an axe man. I had a night sky. What um, else did we have? Was, I feel like your version sky, of I feel like your Marauder? version of friendship, Augustine, is is not the same as we have over here. Warhammer. I think we had a Warhammer that was that ten T that jumped a long ways. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't think I, I didn't. I know I didn't have my Marauder too. Because that would have pushed us over the edge. I forget what I was running, but yeah, we were totally not ready for that game at all. Which is one of those things where that was a because when you do Masters and Minions, you you as a group you bring your force to the table, and we have two masters that bring two mechs apiece to the table, and 
through the demo team and the powers that be, they try and balance the game out through BV and, and with piloting and gunnery. That game illustrated for me just how bad BV is because we were equal, but that game was so one-sided. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was just I think, the players. I, th- I think the strategy for Craig and Augustine was just they they basically used light cover or no cover. They would walk enough to get one one modifier and then they would just focus fire everybody on one unit that they could and just core them out and then oh there's another one boop there's another one boop and it was so funny because augustine every time he rolled the dice for that damn longbow friendship missiles inbound hey, more missiles yeah that's what <laughs> friendly I hate to be the sour guy, but uh, Andrew, you're the one that chose the wrong side of the map. I did. I'll I'll take full blame and full responsibility for it. Yeah, we probably should have started on the open side instead of the busy busy side. We should have stayed in the hills. We should have gave them the hills. We were in the hills when we got killed. (laughs) Augustine, is that how you remember the game going? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we beat the shit out of them. That's what I remember. <laughs> no, actually, uh, the explanation is, is is deeper than what you think. Uh, you have a very very a, a ton a metric ton of bad luck. Uh, I spent that Gencon uh, playing like a fool, just uh, <laughs> making jokes, uh, playing, uh, making mistakes on purpose. Uh, I have I, I was training players, so. I, I haven't played any serious game until that moment. <laughs> and uh, uh, last year, um, the, the last time uh, I have played that uh, Masters and Minions game, uh, I played with uh, Craig, a great, uh, great guy, great player, and I asked for a for a longbow and a Templar, and uh, because we were facing uh, Clan Omnimex, uh, large push laser with targeting computer, this a Nova, disgusting Nova cat with improved jump jets terrible and i got a lombo and i am one i i like the lombo and i have played it for a long time in 10 15 years and uh, suddenly i got a lombo with gunnery 2. it's <laughs> like uh you are dead guys uh and um, um one uh, i have several friends in in bremen a big shout out for the bremen guys uh they play battletech a bit different uh, than we used to play they make a lot of uh, effort, they took a lot of efforts in uh, using indirect fire. You know, it, nobody cares about indirect fire; it doesn't work. They make it work. It works <laughs> yeah, as it long works. as you got a spotter. It works. <laughs> so uh, I use uh, those tactics with you, and uh, everything went uh, very good for or um, roll dice, and everything went awry for your dice. It was uh, very. Weird battle. It was painful. <laughs> so oh, what? Remember Marv? Remember how mad Marv got with his wraith? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, wh- got, I think he oh. got mad enough where he just ran out in the middle just to end the agony so he could go do something else. <clears throat> so what, what I'm hearing then is Augustine's tactic is cheese can be countered with enough LRMs. Yes. 
We didn't bring cheese, though. We well, no, but he was prepared for the cheese. He was prepared for cheese, deep fried cheese curds with cheese whiz on top, and he just LRM'd it into oblivion. As long as he walked three and stayed at you know moderate range, he had it in the bag. Well, I was super bummed that I missed that. That sounded like a really fun game. So, yeah, but you were at what? You had fun. You went to a wedding. wedding. Yeah, I went yeah. to a, I went to a wedding that uh, conveniently ended in divorce a year later. So, ooh. <laughs> well, at least you had fun. Go me. <laughs> did you did you have anything to do with the divorce or, or nope. was just a crazy accident? I I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, no, nothing directly. I think. <laughs> Were you involved in the wedding party? Uh, no, I was not. Whew. Yeah, All right, that was... moving, moving along. We had, uh, during the intro, I was kind of taken back by um, the only podcast proven to cure your dog's anxiety. What is that all about? Who put that in there? Was that you, Gideon? That was me. Um, John, a uh, longtime member of the regiment and the Discord and everything, uh, I guess he has a new puppy who gets a car anxious and uh he throws us on because us talking calms the savage beast and uh so i it's even a meme so it's a real thing you you know it's real when there's a meme about it so um, i don't know i don't know if that's really true because brute can meme just about anything so does that really count he he brings all of those things into existence. That's the Either power way, of the meme. <laughs> here's the fact. Here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. If you have anxiety in your dog, or you need your puppy to fall asleep in a car ride, you just go ahead and check out WNRP podcast, and you just go ahead and let it sing. We're not sure if it works <laughs> on cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have not done any clinical trials on cats. No, so. No <laughs> And just hopefully you don't fall asleep while you're driving too then. So there you go. Yes. Hopefully we're not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, are there some podcasts out are there some podcasts <laughs> out there to put listeners asleep? There's some podcasts that purposely are created to put people to sleep. <laughs> now that's a job. Wow. <laughs> no. My voice is so dull you won't fall asleep. <laughs> Augustine, we had, can see that uh, our topics today are going to be your interview, which is going to be great because we have seen that you are a CSO artist. Is that correct? Yeah. It's, and uh, you also work with the Battletech European Championship as well? Uh, yeah. I hosted a, a, a European Championship a few years ago. Well, I can't you wait were to the, dive into that one. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Augustine, I'm really what's curious. your what's your really handle? curious about that one. What's your handle for Camel Specs? God and Davian? Yeah, I'm I used the same handle. I'm not very original. <laughs> well, make sure uh, you make sure you go to the new Camel Specs uh website. It, one, it's awesome. And two, uh be sure to check out Augustine's work Because uh, you can search by artist now, can't you? Or could you always do that? Always have. Always have and, and yep, Augustine's there and I was, as a matter of fact, I was actually looking through the, uh, through Camel Specs, trying to find back that tank you did, um, to talk about, uh, when we get into more of some painting techniques and things like that, to talk about weathering, just that so was, I could. 
show the guys, and so we all knew what we were talking about. Can't find it. Uh, the the, um, the Behemoth tank yeah. has not been posted uh, yet. Okay. Uh, cool. we, we have posted, uh, there is posted a Mars and 2, the extreme weather uh, tank. It was uh, posted uh, two weeks ago, if I recall correctly. El, uh, in, on February, actually. 17th of February. What are the topics we have today, Matt? Today for topics, we have uh, a little bit of um, Q&A with Augustine, and then we also have some news with the community. Uh, looks like we might have uh, Paid in Blood coming out sometime soon. We'll have some rules talk for Alpha Strike with some TMM and uh, Jumpstrong. Uh, some battle reports with a few of us, since we haven't been playing too much, but we've been trying to. Uh, regimental talk with uh, the Genia 2 and some mission, tra mission tracks uh, closing up on that. Uh, what else? Some requests, challenges, updates for events coming up. Shoutouts and not a whole lot. Pretty good show, it sounds like. Yeah, mostly a good interview is what I see. Well, then I think we should get it on. Right, so, um, Augustine, what are your favorite uh, units to work on as a camo specs artist? Do you have any particulars you like more than others? Uh, yeah, my my preferred uh, units of choice uh, are uh, the new the new mechs. The new sculpts are awesome. They they have a a lot of details, and. Um, you can achieve spectacular results uh, with the proper techniques and time. Unfortunately, this also makes them uh, a bit more challenging than usual. But uh, it's um, for from time to time, uh, you, you feel you are touching a piece of history, painting the new Valkyria example, but uh, improved. It's something like uh, the legacy of uh, the 80s has uh, come back even more beautiful. And uh, it allows you to do a lot of things. Um, I'm also quite partial to tanks uh, because, uh, well, uh, you may be aware of uh, the Spanish school. Uh, in the, um, there are a few guys in Spain. Uh, some, uh, some of them are very famous. The most famous is uh, Mick Jimenez. He's uh, the guy be, be, uh, be, uh, behind uh, AK, uh, Mick Productions and uh, Ammo, and um, he introduced uh, to the world of uh, miniatures um, lots of uh, materials and techniques uh, to achieve uh, good-looking uh, weathering effects. He is the first, maybe the first uh, person that used uh, pigments and uh, enamel washes uh, and filters uh, for tanks. And um, as a result, in Spain, uh, we have um, there is a, a Spanish school that uh, tries to achieve uh, good-looking, realistic uh, weathering. And, and with BattleTech tanks, it is a bit easier to achieve than on mechs. What's your favorite battle mech? Uh, the longbow. The longbow. Is that? Is that... <laughs> it's how he spreads all the friendship. <laughs> <laughs> have you? I'm, I'm trying to remember. We're we're getting a new longbow sculpt, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten it yet? 
no, I, I'm, I'm still waiting uh, to make the, when we have the, the real deal, to make it more uh, a sweeter experience. Ah. I'm preparing it. It's. Um, I played, uh, I, I didn't like the Lombo uh, to begin with. Uh, I was um, not a very good player with LRMs. But uh, I discovered that you can uh, have uh, improved mech uh, pilots, and this uh, made uh, very very easier to use uh, LRM boats, at least for me. And uh, in the old times, the old times of Battle Valor One, uh, the Lobo 12C was uh, one thirteen uh, hundred, and with a gunnery two, you could or one, you can uh, just have one for two thousand. Uh, Battle Valor, it was a steal. And, wow. uh, and uh, I, I used that against. I, I had the best players in, in Barcelona were a bit of a cheese, uh, and they use, you know, uh, Daisy Widowmaker, Rifleman to see cheese. And uh, when we played uh, with Battle Ballo games, uh, we brought, uh, I brought a, lo a Lomo, and this changed the, the meta in, uh, in Barcelona. And uh, from day to night, uh, Playing with clans was the I am a real mech warrior instead of uh, playing with Lombos. It, mm -hmm. it made me happy and warm inside. Nice. <laughs> when when I, I kind of want to touch on you started on it, Augustine is because I I'm painting up a uh, Alpha Strike 350 list and I'm batch painting and most of them are the new sculpts, but one of them is an old Iron Winds and. This isn't against Iron Winds, but the, the when the sculpts were made, the technology was different than what we have now. But it's a, just a world of difference. Um, it, it's like two totally different a, a, like approaches to the painting because the the new sculpts have all the actuators that are exposed and you know all these like fine little details that you can really just go to town on. Whereas the uh, the Iron Winds one, which is a well here it's a it's an old Phantom which isn't going to be in focus for you guys and nobody out there listening can hear, but it's the old <laughs> Ironwinds uh, Phantom where it's much more of like just a blank canvas where it doesn't have all the little details, but you can kind of paint on it however you want and create the illusion you want. So I think, uh, yeah, th this experience of painting them side by side has really highlighted for me what you were speaking to of how the new sculpts are just a totally different beast Yes, actually, uh, my technique right now is uh, I use uh, airbrush and masking tape uh, for uh, creating the shadings. And uh, when uh, it takes me three hours to get uh, two layers of shading in a, in, a, in a new archer, for example, I can do the same on a Loki 2 in one hour, one, one hour and a half. Oh, because wow. it has half the uh, half the panels. Oh wow! So um, actually, it is uh, more complicated than, than it seems. Uh, because if you go to the eighties uh, and you uh, catch the the old Archer miniature or the Warhammer or the Rifleman, they are choking full of details. And uh, then you, you you find the, the new the, the Phantom that uh, the Phantom and the Phantom. Uh, has uh, the same amount of details uh, in the entire miniature than uh, a mad cat, a new mad cat in the in just in the arm. 
<laughs> it's, it's almost this, this, this level. And uh, it, it has to do not, an, not that much with uh, Iron with Metal skill, but it has more to do with the art. So we have really good miniatures, as for example, the Sagittaire, and uh, actually very awful uh, miniatures like the, the uh, Racine Galahad, I think it was. That's very, very ugly. So it's uh, it depends more on the art than uh, the actual rendition. Yeah, I think Battletech has, has gone far and above beyond with starting with great artists and, and depicting... Like you said, bringing a lot of the '80s into a newer version, um, but yeah, having great artists is where it all starts at. So, why don't uh, we rewind just a little bit? And Augustine, why don't you tell us your journey to becoming a CSO artist? What's your history with BattleTech? How long have you played? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Okay, um, this began uh, 1998. I got my first PC, and my first, uh, the first games, uh, one, uh, I have two. One was uh, card games, and the other one was MechWarrior 2. And uh, it ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> it, it ruined I, I, a lot of lives. <laughs> yeah, I finished the campaigns. I played uh, time and times, times and... Uh, finally, I could. Uh, there were a convention in in Spain, a uh, uh, GenCon, the local GenCon, and, and a friend. Uh, he ruined my life too. Uh, got me the, the Blood of Kerensky trilogy, and uh, I began to read it. In I, I read uh, the entire trilogy in four days. And, uh, <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Best reader. Yeah, and I, I haven't looked back in, uh, anymore. It's like my my life was my life was ruined for forever. Yeah. And uh, in two thousand, uh, it was my my first game. And uh, uh, we have a small uh, in in Barcelona in the early two thousands. We have a, we were experiencing uh, in Spain too a dark age. Uh, not not because we were playing Mecole dark ages, but uh, there was a battle that was dead. It was very. Very sad, and uh, slowly we began to um, reconstruct, uh, rebuild the, gr the group of players, the groups of players. We meet uh, different communities, and uh, we began to have again uh, conventions, national scale, and I began to paint uh, just for uh, to attract people. It's uh, more easy to it's easier to attract uh, somebody to a gaming table with nice miniatures that uh, with uh, gray plastic and uh, very true it yeah it was, was a good one <laughs> and then i began to, to paint and they proved and then somebody said hey why you don't uh, go to camo specs and well, i will try and uh, five years later and he tries i managed to get into camo specs online <laughs> you said that was you did it you got it done in two tries Three, three tries. Three tries. Okay. And uh, what? <laughs> Excuse me. What did you uh, submit for your entry to Campbell Specs? What kind of miniatures did you paint up for that and vehicles? Um, the first, um, I painted a Finnish Hawk, uh, the Lamb version, uh, in Mech mode. 
This was actually one of the first of my first tries with uh, airbrush and masking tape. Uh, I painted a, a pantheon, the winning ground effect vehicle. Very easy for beginners to paint. Uh, I also painted um, a grotera. Very very nice uh, miniature to, uh, to paint. It's very good, very good looking. And uh, Mad Cat Four. And uh, I think I also painted uh, a shade. The, the Spectral Omnifighter. They, there were a, a mix of uh, of techniques. The Mad Cat and the Agrotera were painted with uh, regular brush and wet blending, and uh, the other ones were painted with with our brush. I was in the middle of a transition, and uh, unfortunately, uh, my my entrance uh, right now. Um, I, following then my first tries with uh, with um, airbrush weren't the best. I, I have uh, improved uh, somewhat. There are not that many mistakes. And each time, each time you do a submission, it's another five max, right? Uh, it is not mandatory. Um, the problem, uh, I, I, this is, this I can uh, say it in the open. It's no problem. The problem is that uh, we are uh, the rest of the Camo Specs members are judging uh, the entry. So if we detect uh, a problem with a miniature, we'll say it, four of them, this miniature has this problem here, here, and here. And then um, if the uh, people, uh, the painter uh, is wise and detects that uh, four or five uh, Camospex members are uh, roasting the miniature for the, uh, several issues, uh, it could be a, a good idea. It would be sensible to replace and use a new miniature. When you have uh, less problems, and uh, I, I will only change this and this, and this generally needs a bit of a, a touch, or, then you can uh, change, um, change the miniature a bit. But if you have uh, too many red flags with one miniature, it is wise to, to change uh, okay. the miniature and, and put another one. Makes sense. I have to say uh, that I, uh, in my first, uh, first and second submission, I submitted a, a make uh, a few makes twice, and uh, I got rejected. The main problem was uh, the picture uh, the picture picture settings that were a bit too dark. I lacked um, a light box, and. Uh, Really, the, the main issue with uh, there are two main issues with submissions. First, uh, the first on of the first of all is uh, the, the nemesis, the bane of all painters, the mold lines. Especially <laughs> with, yeah, especially with uh, with the new plastics, they have lots of mold lines. They are a bit hard to clean. Some of them are very well disguised, and uh, if you don't uh, be, if you are not uh, paying attention, you will miss them. And then, oh, your Wolverine looks uh, pretty, but it has a more line in the arm, and you can see it and reject it. That's that's uh, quite disheartening. And uh, the other problem is the the camera setup. If you I, have a go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, if you have a light box and a good camera with uh, good settings, uh, it's uh, very easy. If you don't have a light box or uh, your camera is not well set and the lightings are not uh, the best. You won't achieve good results and uh, you will you won't get accepted. 
it's <laughs> kind of makes sense. You can be a good painter, and and if we can't see your product, then <laughs> I've heard I've heard from a lot of folks that that's it. The painting aspect of it is not as daunting as the getting a good picture because painting everyone can work through and, and you feel comfortable with a brush and not everyone's comfortable with technology and getting your camera set up is a lot of work and art involved in that too and if you don't have a permanent space to do it every time you're setting it up you're having to readjust for external variables to make sure your lighting is correct so i <clears throat> i get it because i've pulled my light box out to do some different pictures for some of the product and stuff that we've had go out too. And um, I shot them in three different sets and the lighting was different in all three different sets. So even though the box was set up in the same place and the lights were all in the same place, the lighting was different because it was a different time of day that was coming in through the windows. So it was weird. Uh, I thought the light was just shining off you. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> but, but but that also like the thing I appreciate about that is I can always say I just am bad at taking photos. You know, <laughs> my miniatures. Oh, it looks great in person. It's just Good the excuse. photo, right? <laughs> <laughs> the camera. The camera adds like you know ten more pounds of pewter. Right, to ten tons. Ten tons in the <laughs> camera. Ten tons. Ten tons. It was a cyclops. Now it's an atlas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it gained another eye. <laughs> Also, a great uh, a great ex- argument or explanation is that when you have it uh, three, feet, uh, three foot away, three feet away, it looks very nice. So you also can say no, it it looks okay three feet away. It's, <laughs> it, it always works. When you when you're taking your photos, then do you have a a specific not specific, but are you shooting two feet away? Are you shooting? A foot away um does it depend on the miniature and lighting or when you're setting up do you have kind of a i measure out in two feet this is close take the pictures and then you're cropping cropping the image and, and doing that kind of thing or is it very specific to the thing that you're shooting that day uh, i have a problem uh, um it's a bit complicated. The trick, the trick is that uh, I have a, my objective uh, has a, a minimum a distance uh, focus of uh, 40 uh, centimeters, a feet and a half, I think, foot and a half. Uh, and uh, if, um, if if you go less than 40 centimeters, it doesn't work. If uh, you are, uh, if you go a bit behind uh, and you get uh, more distance. The miniature will look uh, will look a bit blurry, so I try to be about 40, 50 centimeters away of uh, the miniature, no matter how, uh, in order to uh, to achieve um, a deep depth of focus. Uh, if uh, if it helps anybody, uh, I will say that uh, first my my father helped me a lot. Uh, he was a, a professional uh, photographer, and. Um, and I use uh, the settings. Uh, I use a professional camera with a good objective, tripod, uh, light box, and uh, I use uh, the f-stop 
diaphragmic speed is uh, I use a uh, 22. That's the the recommended. Uh, then you only have to change uh, the exposure and, and uh, since it's uh, a light box, you don't you have always the same condition. So I have yeah I have already prepared the camera just for taking this kind of pictures and. You take uh, 10 of every take of every position of the mech and uh, one of one, uh, just for luck only one or two will look perfect so <laughs> you choose that one and you are done yeah okay well yeah. thank you Take, taking some of those photography classes when your shutter speed your timing your all that focus is is paramount and then after 100 pictures you get maybe 10 that are good that's good advice yeah, uh, actually, I, I will try to put into perspective. You know, Song Guru, one of um, the uh, Camo Specs Online member, he is also a professional photographer. So we have uh, people that is really, really into into pic uh, taking pictures. Uh, we have a tutorial about how to use lights, but um, it works. But you know, having a right now. You can afford uh, for sixty bucks. You can buy a, a collapsible uh, light box. It uh, it doesn't occupy a lot of space. You only have to use your uh, dining dining room uh, table, put the light box, a tripod, and you are ready in ten minutes. That's what I've got. I've got a collapsible one that I have here, and um, it's nice in the fact that you don't have to have it up permanently all the time. <clears throat> Yeah, if you have a look at uh, my first pictures, uh, the ones from 2015, uh, you will see what uh, they, I didn't use a light box. The modern ones, I, I use a light box, and uh, you can see that, the, as an example, the shadows uh, are, uh, are. You don't see any shadows in uh, the modern ones, and you can see shadows in the old ones. That's a problem with the lighting setup. Yeah, I know. That's one thing that I uh, I definitely run into is I'll spend a lot of time like shading gradients, you know, like painting in my shades and shadows. And then I don't have a light box. Then I just take a photo under my painting light and it totally like washes out all of that, that shadow because the light is so harsh that it, the shadow's already there. So it, it doesn't look like I painted anything different. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, that's a good good pointer of making sure your lighting is a nice, like, soft, ambient, like, all-encompassing all light. So that way the paint shows up. Shows up. Uh, one, one trick. This is, this is uh, 10 tricks to make your pictures uh, improve. Uh, 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 camera companies will hate you with number three. Uh, one trick is uh, you, if, um, to cover the light with a, with a uh, sheet. If you cover it, uh, the light will be a bit more diffused and it won't be uh, as hard and, uh, and straight uh, as uh, usual and the details won't be as washed. In my first uh, settings, uh, I used uh, two, uh, two lights that were orientable, you know, table, table lights with uh, the, uh, sheets over it to make it uh, softer light. It was not that hard, but the effect, it's uh, cheaper to buy a light box than uh, two of those lights. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of money can go a long ways to making your 
making your images and, and models look much better. Do you ever uh, change backgrounds or uh, favor one or the other or just a certain type? I have uh, four different backgrounds. Um, it took me uh, a month just for uh, creating them. Um, the idea is that uh, I have uh, two uh, grass or um, normal uh, earth uh, grounds, one for snow and one for uh, for streets. And I, uh, I have one that actually has part of pavement of, uh, um, of uh, you know, as a airport strip and a part of, uh, of earth to achieve uh, the effect. Oh, but nice. I, so you actually use real concrete then? No, actually, it's not real concrete. It's uh, airbrush. Oh, OK. Uh, shades of gray. And uh, there's uh, actually uh, a new um, uh, surface paste. It's concrete. They, uh, you can achieve a good uh, looking effect. But uh, using a PVC, uh, a PVC table, a PVC shed uh, with uh, airbrush and a bit of masking, and you are golden. Nice. I, and I, I appreciate that you have like different backgrounds depending on your subject matter. Because, you know, like some CSO artists only have one background and I think having four just shows how, how dedicated you are. Actually, uh, I will add something. Uh, you may be aware that uh, in flower pots, uh, there is a special green looking foam that uh, you used to to uphold uh, the flowers or the the, pla the plants. This uh, foam it's very very cheap. It uh, comes in uh, small bricks, and uh, you can carve it down like polystyrene. And it is actually easier to work with. And uh, this is actually the background of the of my dioramas. My, my background is just a PVC uh, sheet with uh, paste and then uh, a piece of foam uh, carpet and added the same texture. So it is well, actually is that, not... Is that that green foam where you have uh, plastic plants? You stick the plastic plants in the top to hold it all straight up? I think I... Yeah, florist foam. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so you were talking about cheap alternatives. And one of the things that I think you covered during the virtual Gen Con this last past summer was uh, a cheap alternative to pigments, which I thought was extremely interesting and um, very effective. Uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'll let you talk about that again, if you would. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, actually, uh, for weathering, uh, we can ha use uh, a bit, a, a few uh, esoteric uh, materials. You can use a uh, cosmetic uh, powder for pigments. Uh, it works. Actually, the Tamilla weathering sets are uh, cosmetic uh, pigments barely um, disguised. But um, actually, a pigment is uh, you can use chalk or soft pastels and they work the same way. So if you want uh, a pigment, you can uh, buy a bottle of pigment. It will 
but for the same cost, you will uh, be able to go to an art, a fine art uh, craft shop where we have uh, uh, and just buy a few uh, chalk colors, you know, uh, born sienna, black, white, and so colors. And then you have the pigment. You only have to scratch the, the pastel, the soft pastel, and then you got the, the dust that is the pigment. I bought one uh, bar of uh, of chalk, of uh, black chalk. Uh, I, I use it uh, in every miniature uh, to create uh, suit effects. And I have used it uh, since uh, 2008. And it is still working. So I think it, it I have uh, 20 more years of, <laughs> of chalk just for that one. So <laughs> 2008. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So when you're piece of chalk lasts some 30 years. <laughs> so when when you're when you're applying that chalk as the soot color, how are you applying that? In what process? May we ask? Okay, um, uh, applying uh, uh, pastel chalks, pigments is not that hard. Uh, you can use uh, cosmetic uh, brushes. Actually, the, the brushes that come uh, that came with um, Tamiya watering kits are very good for that one. But uh, the problem is that uh, first, uh, it is very important that you don't have uh, the pastel or the pigment wet because uh, a pigment. Uh, mix it with uh, a liquid uh, medium, like water, as example, it turns into a paint. So you mix it with uh, water and you have a wash. You mix with oils, you have oil paints. So you, it's, it's very important uh, for you to uh, use a very, very uh, dry uh, brush. If uh, the, brush is, uh, the brush is wet, you will end with a very very poor looking result because you will have with you will ha end with a uncontrolled uh, wash. Actually, I use a old brush. You only have to uh, gather some um, pigment dust and apply it on the area you, you wish. If uh, you go go too much over the top and you want to you know reset or uh, del delete uh, the, the chuck, uh, you can use your fingers, a Q-tip, and if you are very risky, I don't recommend water, but you can use uh, the brush again to remove it. So it is um, it is not very hard. The trick, the second trick, is that uh, chalks, pastels, pigments, um, they don't have a medium. It's uh, And this is important, despite it sounds obvious, because Medium is what uh, helps uh, the paint to uh, uh, get uh, stuck into a surface. If you don't have uh, the medium, uh, the pigment is actually little more than a, a bit of dust that's over the paint. As such, it is very important uh, to um, uh, apply the pigments in one of the last stage, uh, the last stages of the painting, if not the last one. And then once you have applied it. Uh, airbrush the miniature and seal it with a with a varnish. Yes. Yeah. Are you using? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say because over time, even if you think it's you know it's adhered and everything like that, it'll eventually just fall off in your like mini case or anything like that, right? Uh, yes. Um, 
actually the there's a I made a test with um I painted a um, olive oil um pillager and then I apply it uh, in all the surfaces uh, white uh, white pigment I didn't seal the miniature and with time and play I'm playing with it uh, uh the, the the paint uh, faded uh, the pigment faded in a lot of places uh you may know that uh, there are some interesting uh, miniatures aircrafts or uh, from the world war one second that were painted with um a pay, uh, with a dilute uh, white paint that was removable it was a provisional camo uh, winter camo and when it fades uh, the effect is very nice looking and uh, achieving this effect in uh, big scale miniatures is very hard in a small miniatures like uh, a pillager example it's quite easy and you can you just only have to apply it um, the white pigment and then remove it with the finger it's that really that easy well geez that gives now, me all sorts of ideas so man andrew you and i we have I'm we have sorry. ideas at the same time man I <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> no I, I that gives me all sorts of ideas though that's that's very exciting yeah, i'm sitting here thinking about so i've been looking through you know your portfolio on um camo specs and the night wolf is up right now and i i can definitely tell on the atm nines on the arms you know that's you know that would be where you used pad the the chalk or or the hell's the word i'm looking for anyway you use the chalk pastels suit or, or apply soot to that area do you use chalks then as well for doing any kind of color blending? Um, no, um, uh, actually, I have I haven't used um, chalks for color blending. Um, for me, they are a bit hard to control. Okay, uh, okay but uh, there's a catch. Uh, Song Guru uh, a few years ago used uh, chalks. Uh, you know the, the uh, uh, Wall of Blake Shadow Division fades. Those, those schemes with uh, with fades in the mech and that were uh, a pain to paint. Uh, to paint, uh, you can achieve this effect with uh, with chalks. The idea is that uh, you use a. That was the fading uh, for all the shadow divisions. The fading from the light gray to dark gray at their feet uh yes uh, he actually managed to he even posted but i think it was 10 years ago he posted uh, a tutorial of how to paint a miniature with only chalks and uh, he painted a miniature white and then he began to add chalks more layers layers and more layers and more layers even more layers of chalk until he got the effect i think he, he claimed that it took him about one hour why? So it was like uh, you have achieved this beautiful fate in one hour. Yeah, it was that easy. Okay. Uh, so you also talked about sealing. Do you use a rattle can or are you using your airbrush? Uh, I use uh, airbrush. Um, I am. I have had a lot of uh, terrible experiences with uh, with rattle, rattling cans. Uh, there's uh, something called frosting. Uh, yeah, I've had that happen. <laughs> uh, 
it, it happens when you have uh, conditions of uh, wetness, humidity, and a bit of cold. In, in, in Barcelona, uh, we have very warm climate, and it, it should not be a problem. I got an entire lunch of Max win for that effect. So ouch. it was, yeah, it was after that ouch, uh, I began to explore other things. And for a long of a lot of, a lot of time, I didn't um, um, uh, made a added a varnish to the miniatures. Uh, but I discovered that um, there are the modern uh, varnishes for airbrush are very very effective. Uh, I began with uh, the Vallejo matte varnish uh, from for airbrush. It's incredible. Uh, I managed to create a, a painted with a shiny glossy paints uh, one mech, and uh, it make it look so matte that the paints didn't the, the miniature didn't look uh, glossy, but even the metals looked like gray. Nice. Uh, and uh, right now I use uh, there's a, a product. It's AK Extreme Matte Varnish uh, for airbrush. It's it's awesome. It does not fail. Uh, you have no frosting. It's quite fast, and you achieve a very smooth effect. And it really matches uh, the miniature. So it's a win-win. So if you, uh, my advice is, if you want to make a, a good varnish and very be fast, use uh, matte varnish uh, with airbrush. A varnish eight miniatures in a row, and you are done. No failure. No failure possible. How many airbrushes do you have? On your workbench, do you use a single airbrush, or do you have do you have one where, for instance, just off the top of my head, you have one airbrush sitting to the side that's got varnish in it, so that you get done spraying, you blow some air on it, get it dry enough where you can then go grab that varnish brush, apply what you need to do, set it aside, and go to the next one. Um, or do you have here's my main brush and I got a detail brush or you know my my problem with the airbrush is always changing colors right it, how do you change colors out of an airbrush quickly effectively and not screw up what you're doing when you get that junk that shoots out the end of it when you change colors all the time I always struggle with that yeah uh, airbrushes are very very helpful but they are a, a little bit uh finicky and temperamental uh let's call it that way it could be the understatement of the month okay uh, <laughs> uh okay let, let's begin uh i have uh, this this is something that i learned after years of experience of the wrong uh, wrong kind of experience um i uh, usually paint with acrylics uh, acrylics are a bit harder to to clean because um at the um they they, uh, they uh, stick to, uh, much more than uh, the regular uh, NML paints or uh, oil-based uh, paints. You know, the old Tamiya paints are quite easy to clean. You just just uh, throw down a bit of alcohol, make some uh, turbulence, create some turbulences, and the alcohol will clean uh, everything. Okay, for acrylics, it's a bit different. The idea, well... There's uh, something called a painting station. That's like a, a bottle with a hole to put um, the airbrush inside and spray down. Uh, this pa the painting station uh, is very helpful 
because uh, for cleaning the and uh, cleaning the airbrush, you need um, distilled water. You know, water for when uh, you, for the when you are ironing, you need uh, a special kind of water without uh, calcium. In, in Spain, we have a lot of problems with the uh, tap water. Uh, I use uh, distilled water for this because uh, if you get uh, if the water uh, dries inside the, the brush, uh, your uh, needle may end with small irregularity. So use distilled water, and uh, you know just put uh, in the in the in the cup uh, the water and uh, spray down the water. This uh, will help you. There's another trick. This, uh, today, it, it, tonight, it seems that we are talking about 15 tricks uh, for painting. Uh, everybody will love them. Um, there's a, I saw this in a, in a video. I'm not uh, the creator. I, I cannot uh, attribute my, my knowledge about this. Uh, the idea is that uh, you can uh, use um, your airbrush comes with a, with a cap, something uh, to cover uh, the needle. Uh, I've got a Patriot, uh, a Badger airbrush, and the cap is uh, from silicone. It's very nice. If you put the cap and spray, the, the airflow will rebound and will create a turbulence. As such, you will begin to see bubbles inside. Uh, be careful because if you spray too much, the bubbles will be too big and you will get splattered. The idea is that uh, those turbulence, these turbulence with water, uh, helps to clean the inside of the of the airbrush. It is more uh, instead of uh, cleaning just the cap, this also cleans the the, uh, the the tubes between the cap and the needle. And after doing that, there, there is a I have a Vallejo airbrush, cle airbrush cleaner. You can buy regular uh, airbrush cleaner. Uh, I, I, I bought Vallejo, but then I, I've been told, hey, you can buy this regular uh, no, uh, cleaner. And I buy it uh, a liter of that. It's quite, uh, very, very, very cheaper. And uh, you put uh, pour down and do the same. Um, spray some to help create a flow, and then put a cap to create uh, turbulence. And this will clean the, the airbrush. And with this, you can, after doing that, just check uh, that everything is clean and the uh, airflow is uh, okay, and then you can add uh, paint again. Okay, give that a shot. So that Thank leader you. gives you plenty of cleaner. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. <laughs> I think that actually the cleaner I use is uh, isopropyl alcohol with nothing else, but yeah. uh, it's not magic. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So we uh, we have the idea that this this BattleTech European Championship is is going on yearly, <clears throat> and obviously there's plenty of people that show up. Can you explain the breakdown of the event and like the numbers of people that show up from how many different countries? Okay, uh, these changes for for uh, for from year to year because um, the championship is uh, has been hosted uh, in several in several countries, so the organization is a bit different. Um, we mainly have uh, been uh, hosting the games in uh, Limerick Island, 
uh, and we have uh, Tesla Convention, uh, and inside the convention, we have the European Championship. Uh, in other places, we have done a more specific Battletech Convention, as in uh, Brunswick, uh, Germany. And uh, we have an entire house uh, uh, full of uh, Battletech games. Uh, we have had diff very uh, different things. Uh, the idea is that we have um, on Saturdays we have uh, the championship. Usually is uh, four rounds. Every every round is a different tech. We have uh, 30-50, 30-25, clan and uh, 31-45. So every player uh, has to get out of his uh, zone of comfort because, mm, you know, there are many communities that uh, are very specialized on just only third, uh, level one games. We have played uh, only clan games. It's So for, we force them to play uh, with all the decks and... Uh, uh, we have a group of testers. Uh, I have to, um, I must uh, salute and shout, uh, make a big shout out to John Summers and the rest of the crew of Ireland that uh, during the year they test uh, the pairings. Usually it's a two versus two game, and in every round you have six options. And uh, we have uh, a few years ago a, a tournament that the pairings were so good that. Uh, 24 uh, pairings, uh, we used 22. So uh, just only two were not uh, used by other players. And it was uh, everybody saw that uh, this combination could be better than other one. It was a very, very uh, great job. They have been doing this for years and uh, they have become very, very creative. Great people also. And, and the tournaments are very, very good. So you are providing, so everyone has a set of mechs that they're all playing the same on each table? Or what did I miss there? Uh, they're playing different eras. So the first round, as example, it has, uh, uh, as a player, you can choose between six pairs of mechs. And, so, the uh, mechs are pre, so the mechs are pre-chosen for you. You just, get, but you get to pick from a set to play. Cool. Exactly. Okay. The, the 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 picks are, have been announced with uh, months of, uh, of of advance. As such, the player would say, "I will use this, 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 and this." You can you say it in advance. It will be not um, not made public until the game, until the the actual game. And so, you got the record sheets. And you got two miniatures, and the other play, uh, guy gets two miniatures and two record sheets, and let's go. And that is strictly for to ensure that we don't have cheese, or if the cheese is at the table, it's the same on each side. Yeah, and uh, this um, most most of uh, this uh, pre uh, prevents uh, players from going uh, the power gamer way or the cheese uh, gamer uh, guy way, but it also uh, they try to make from time to time like thematic uh, pairings. So uh, in one uh, a few years ago, we have a round where uh, every mech, uh, every every option has a hatchet uh, wielding mech. So 
it it uh, forced you to to think about um, good and 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 usually uh, mechs that you don't usually play. In one convention, we uh, we run I run I haven't always derided the original Crusader. Yeah, it, it's a shame for me. And then I played with a Crusader with extra head sinks, and it was oh, it's a great mech. So it it helps you to fall in love with mechs that you don't you always use. All right. So uh, right. how how many players or participants do you usually have that show up? Well, it 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 uh, uh, but it's uh, in every, every year is a bit different, and uh, there are different factors. As example, two years ago, the last uh, convention we have in Brunswick, we have about 50, 60 players. But uh, nice. the, the European the championship, the actual the actual championship was only 30 players, 20, 30 players, and we have uh, people from Spain, Germany. England, Ireland, and uh, we even have people from the United States and from Canada. We have some guys that lived in uh, that life in uh, they are from the United States and Canada, living they live in Limerick, and they attend the European Convention. So it's it is a very very um, a group of people. We have uh, some ring leaders to call it that way. Uh, I have. Um, that's uh, Gary from Limerick uh, and uh, Martin Sweeney, as example. Uh, we have the f uh, famous Polly, and we have the guys from Germany, as, as I have said, Marcus and, and the rest of the crew. Um, naming uh, a few of them does not make justice to the rest of the, of the crew. They, they make you have a very good time. You have absolutely uh, beautiful games. You have a lot of fun, and it's a great moment for all of us. Awesome. Thanks for putting those on, and everybody else that does that, too. Okay. Um, as a shameless insert, uh, this year, due uh, to coronavirus, uh, the European Championship is uh, on hold. Uh, it was scheduled to be run uh, the last February on Scotland. And I hope it will be run the last year again in Scotland. Uh, this is a shameless look. Uh, I am not the organizer for this is why I can't say it, it but if you don't go that uh, that to that convention, your life is meaningless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. I, I will explain you. I, I I don't know if you have seen uh, you know a movie called Braveheart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that movie, there's a, a guy called William Gowalas has a fight in a bridge in a town which is called Stirling. Okay. Um, the convention will be run in Stirling, Scotland. Oh, no way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one mile away from the bridge of Stirling. Uh, it's not the original one because there was a, a battle there and the bridge uh, collapsed. Uh, one mile away from the bridge, there is a William Wallace Memorial on top of a hill. Hmm. So, and the game and the tournament will be run inside the, the William Wallace Monument. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. When is this? 
Uh, I don't know. We're we not. Uh, we don't have uh, the, the new dates. <laughs> once, um, once the world gets back to normal, Glasgow isn't that far away. We could fly into Glasgow and drive. That would be fun. We might have to do yeah. that. Uh, but there is also save, up, save up some funds on that one, dude. Uh, there's also another catch. That's uh, the special thing. Uh, one of things. One of the the second activity we do on Sundays in the European Championship is a blood name tournament. Ooh, I like those. And uh, the blood name tournament uh, this year will be for a blood name, uh, a special one, the Wallace blood name. Ah. So oh, that's uh, cool. <laughs> uh, we will play uh, in the William Wallace. Uh, Memorial a monument to achieve uh, to get uh, the Wallace uh, blood name, and uh, we have been promised that uh, there will be no more uh, Wallace blood name uh, contests. So you got it. You are the only one. Wow. So as such, uh, you know, if you don't attend the convention, you are missing a lot. Is is a kilt required? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the kilt required, probably. Uh, uh, actually, actually, no. no oh, just, that'd be so cool yeah. if a kilt was required. You only need uh, the only the only thing required is uh, the dagger in your sock. It's the only thing okay. you need. It is for uh, for uh, you are a cleaner, so you have to have a dagger. <laughs> All right. Seems like I'm looking up uh, Scotland I... flights. <laughs> it's not cheap. <laughs> Oh, actually, Stirling is between um, Glasgow and uh, Edinburgh, so uh, it's an hour of away in train. So it's uh, if you go to Glasgow or uh, Edinburgh, you can go to uh, Stirling without problems. Yes. Well, that's right. They do mass transit over there way better than we do. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. I wonder if you could fly <clears throat> to London and then just go there. Twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> to Edinburgh, Edinburgh. So we've got some funds to save up. <laughs> yeah, might as well have a can drive or something like that. <laughs> the, the, can that, drive. That, that's a long ways to go to get blown up by LRMs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be worth it though. Be yeah, worth it. but I'll bet you, I'll bet you the drinking at night is a hell of a good time. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Can't confirm. They come in pints. <laughs> um, I can neither confirm nor, nor deny that uh, pints were drunk uh, in a in a high quantity in uh, the last time I went to one of those conventions. <laughs> Let's say that uh, we, when uh, the last time we ran a, uh, the European Championship in Limerick. Uh, it was the 25th anniversary of uh, the convention. Uh, it's a convention that has been run for 25 years in a row uh, from one guy that's running a shop. And Limerick is not, uh, not to this Limerick, is not uh, the most known uh, city of Europe. And one weekend, during one weekend, uh, people from six uh, countries come to visit uh, that city just for the game. Wow. And that year was, and, and that year was the 25th anniversary, and the the motto of the of the convention was 25 years of liver damage. <laughs> <laughs> 25 years of liver damage. <laughs> nice. That's a good motto. 
Well, as you can tell, we're trying to get our own thing uh, going here for the 350 uh, format in Alpha Strike. And uh, we're hoping to, to get to those numbers someday uh, that you got going on the in the European Championships. So. And uh, you had a little uh, hand in uh, helping us with our rules writing and uh, editing as well, didn't you? Yeah, it, it was a pleasure to, to have a look at the rules. They, they were very, very, very good, and uh, my edition was very limited because there was any major problem. Actually, I will split something uh, for you. This, you can actually record this, but uh, I don't think it will violate my NDA. Uh, <laughs> this is a uh, new for you, just for the podcast. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I, I had the honor to take part, although I was uncredited, uh, in the strategic operations. Uh, I think, I know, it was interstellar operations. In that, uh, th that the, the book before inter interdimensional operations, and you have a strategic uh, battle. It was a battle, strategic battle force. The rule set was included in that book, and I, what I was one of the guys in charge of, you know, edition. Wow! Oh, nice, because we borrowed heavily from Battle Force in a lot of our stuff. Yeah, but you won't. Uh, I don't think you you have borrowed for what I will tell you. Uh, we have ex special rules for uh, fortifications. Oh. Oh. In you know, Castle Bryant, things like that. Uh, but uh, they they made a, a minor typo during the edition. Major typo. Yes, it could, we could say that it was a major typo. Instead of fortifications, they wrote down uh, fornications. <laughs> And sorry, uh, honest. And sadly, I, I I had to be the party pooper. And guys, I think that instead of of, of fornications, we should put uh, forni uh, fortifications. I don't think that assaulting a Castle Brian is um, it's it may be a fornication for somebody, but let's should be correct. <laughs> Somebody may, might take that a little too literally. <laughs> I, I don't know what we're thinking about, but uh, when I saw it, was no, this is a joke. Oh, so, that's funny. That almost yeah. sounds like an Aaron mistake. That, that oh. could be a me mistake, yeah. Not enough fact checkers back then, huh? That, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome if there was a copy of that that actually said fornications. <laughs> It'd be... Even, even the... Even a strategic operations book is as expensive as it is already. Oh, let yeah. alone, let alone one of the originals with fornication in it. <laughs> wow! Yeah, Might be some collect collectors out there looking for that one now. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think you can find in the same shelf as uh, the old Comstar uh, source book that everybody is looking for that doesn't exist. Not. Oh, really? No, there was a, a urban legend. Somebody got mistaken with one of the source book of Com from Comstar, and hey, there is a Comstar source book one six eight one or something like that. And I think it it was actually a Comstar source book, the one with the guys in caves, uh, very old school. But uh, he made a mistake with the number, and it went instead of one six eight one was one six one eight or something like that, and. Everybody in we have a thread uh, that lasted one month 
talking about uh, the for, uh, forgotten hidden uh, Comstar book that has been under interdiction and it's it's like a, the meme. So we have uh, when you want to find something like an unicorn, we have yes, it's next to the sub, course, uh, Comstar source book <laughs> because somebody <laughs> had a little bit of dyslexia. <laughs> now Oops. all of a sudden, there's a secret source book out there. Nice. Oh, that's funny. Well, we got some news coming up. Anybody else have any questions? Well, uh, I was just going to say, um, because Augustine, you helped out with our, you know, 350 rules. Like, what's your take on Alpha Strike versus Classic? Do you, like, do you have a preference? What kind of is, uh, how do you see that fitting into the uh, the tabletop scene? Well, uh, for me, it's uh, it's actually a complicated question because for me, it's like apples and oranges. Um, Battletech and Alpha Strike are different games. You have mechs, you have things, but um, uh, Battletech has a higher level of detail. You have to roll more, you have to think more, and uh, when it uh, the number of units uh, grows, it it becomes uh, too slow. As such, um, it's a great small-scale game, but a poor uh, large-scale game. Um, actually, uh, the biggest uh, we have had, uh, biggest game we had was uh, Division versus uh, Regiment. Wow. There were about yeah, there were about uh, 180 miniatures on the table. We played uh, with. Uh, <laughs> It was uh, four square meters of uh, of hex-based uh, game, and we we make a lot of uh, of cheats. Uh, we divided the, the game in actually two smaller games, like two attacks in one front, from another front, and uh, the two sides cannot uh, interact. And we even used um, an application, an app uh, in a computer uh, to roll uh, dice and. I was the, um, as an arbiter. I he shooting, he rolls a six, it misses, and he hits, and it hits in seven. It's centered also. Uh, with this and um, uh, moving with lances instead of just units, we made uh, six or seven turns with uh, thirty mechs destroyed in uh, in one day. Oh, in one day. <laughs> oh, wow. But you can do the same uh, with Alpha Strike. We actually made uh, 180 miniatures on table for a charity convention. Uh, but instead of just mechs and some tanks, we yeah, okay, we have strafing aircraft, uh, we have lambs, we have winning ground effects, infantry, and we could uh, in in the same day, the same amount of time, we just uh, the battle was decided, and we have 60 or 70 units destroyed. So this is what Alpha Strike really shines. It has less depth. Um, I am not used to the last uh, version of the tournament of the rules, but uh, in the beginning with uh, fast units and uh, uh, goods co uh, co uh, using goods as coverage, uh, it, it it's a different game. Uh, it has different uh, things uh, to maximize to min max instead of BattleTech. So. I like both of them, but both of them it's apples and oranges. Yeah, it it really is like you said. They're just using the same components, but they're two t entirely different games. 
It's uh, so. Do you have since we're on it? Do you have uh, where you play and your players? Do you have very much hardcore people in classic camp versus Alpha Strike camp? And you know, a classic player won't look at Alpha Strike because it's not BattleTech in their mind. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I ran across a, a pure Alpha Strike guy that won't do or play classic. But it seems like in in our gaming groups and world that there seems to be like a really hard line, a hard division of I'm a classic player, therefore I don't touch Alpha Strike. Do you have do you have that there? And if you do, do you have strategies to work around that, or is it or is that <clears throat> in a sense kind of um, a, a lost battle? Well, um, in Spain, uh, we have um, we have had a big problem with grognards. <laughs> for excuse me for the technical term, uh, we have people that it's uh, BattleTech is just uh, thirty twenty five, just level one, level two sacks, uh, clan are uh, hellish. You don't touch it, uh, and uh, we have had uh, to fight. Uh, this uh, idea of BattleTech. Um, I, I liked uh, uh, 3025 games, uh, but I, I see the value on um, other techs and other uh, ages of BattleTech. And uh, with these kind of players, uh, with players, it's very hard, uh, you know, to, to make them change. Uh, as such, uh, we say no. We will only play, but uh, we have a, we ran a, a tournament in Spain, and it was limited to just uh, thirty twenty five tech. And it was oh, don't touch the clans; they are naughty. I have all over it. In with this kind of, it has becoming uh, with time. People that are so grognard tend to fade uh, of communities. They they fall off because they are too strict. So right now we are more open-minded, and uh, you don't. Uh, the idea of uh, Alpha Strike is it's BattleTech, but it is different. You play with mechs, but you always ha uh, have wanted to play a huge scale game with BattleTech. Okay, this morning we we'll play one with 180 miniatures on the table, and um, no matter how grognard you are, if you see 180 BattleTech miniatures on the table, well painted in a 3D environment, and you can play within, it's too much of a temptation. That's true. That is very true. It is too much of a temptation to not want to join in on that. So, I can see where that that would change some minds. Actually, Alpha Strike uh, was very very important for uh, the weird players. You, you know who, who I'm talking about, you know, that's, uh, we have a, a forum member, a, a moderator, fellow moderator, Weirdo, that's, his evil is very, very uh, great guy, but he's evil, and uh, he begins, he tinkers with, uh, with weird stuff, so uh, he's the guy able to turn uh, fluid guns into something very dangerous, and every, every group of players uh, have uh, this uh, tinkerer guy, that tries to create new units and how to play with them and new ways. Alpha Strike uh, is a very good tool for this because, um, as example, the land, land air mechs were illegal from for a long, long time, 
and the first rule set where they were included again as legal units was alpha strike so it is it great uh, allows you to open uh, the door to more uh, weird exotical things yeah yeah because there's not so many i mean the rules are so complicated when it comes to land air mechs and and all this other stuff that it's almost harder to, to play than or it's almost a turnoff sometimes um whereas in alpha strike it does dumb it down but you get to play the units so there's a trade-off also finding the i'm picking units that i wouldn't have picked out before if i was playing regular classic me personally i want to pick like a wasp or a stinger or anything like that just because i don't that's they're not my style in regular battle tech but in alpha strike they they have some use for me particularly um that's just me personally yeah i would say with alpha strike uh units become more of a they take on their roles more uh a lot of units are, are categorized in roles instead of the individual mech in classic um which i which is good because yeah you can you can use multiple different units for one role and i think it just that's just better for the game you can uh have multiple different models and and factions and whatever but the role is still the same yeah also uh, as example uh, recon uh is uh, more important in, in alpha strike you can play your objectives that's uh, one of the good points of uh, the rule set of your championship and uh, playing the uh, for points and uh, conquering and retaking points or those kind of scenarios are not that uh, normal in, in in BattleTech. And from time to time, they um, you use uh, the, the the wrong choices of mechs, uh, especially in 2025. You can uh, have very cumbersome games, very weird games try of people trying to catch somebody with a that that it is uh, running away. And uh, with BattleTech, with uh, with Alpha Strike. Uh, uh, keeping objectives, making a good reconnaissance job, uh, is more can be more important, and uh, a lot of uh, units uh, are more uh, oriented uh, that way. So instead of oh, this is a wasp, this is useless. No, it makes a recon job. Yeah, but it cannot kill a point of the elementals. They have more firepower. Oh, it's terrible wasp. But wasp is bad. Yeah, use it in alpha strike. Jump, jump, jump. Take cover and make uh, take objectives. It's a different game. Any other questions for Augustine? No. I don't. We covered a lot. Augustine, well, I, Augustine, is there anything we didn't cover that we should? I uh, I think I had one more. Like, what are you currently working on, Augustine? Anything okay. for Gen Con or? Yeah, uh, actually, my my last uh, my last project. Uh, I cannot tell. Uh, cannot I cannot get into details. I am making a damage mech. Um, the idea is that right now uh, we have a, a discovered by chance a product. Uh, there's a, a paint, you know, bottle of paint, the regular paint that it is uh, actually it's conductive paint. Ooh. And uh, this is important because you can stuff a LED, a LED inside, uh, you know, one base or the arm of a mech. Uh, use it as a the laser point of uh, 
Dash Laser, get the LED Insight, and instead of using the cables, you can use the conductive paint instead of the cables, reach a place in the, in the base where is the, the battery, and then you can have a working LED that is uh, hidden. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Conductive and, uh, paint. Conductive paint. It's uh, from Green Stuff Models. Uh, very. It's this. It actually, it's a Spanish brand. Uh, very, very, very good for things. And they have uh, one of the problems with LEDs is that uh, usually you have uh, you need uh, you know uh, power uh, cables for electricity. But uh, they have. Uh, I, I think they have in more places. They have uh, a setup that only needs a battery, a small battery. And uh, my first test was to create a hollow base with PVC, uh, three and a half centimeters of uh, every hex height and one centimeter of height. And I stuffed it inside because it's hollowed. Uh, hollowed. I, I stuffed the battery, a switch, and the cable. The cable gets up uh, from the ground and I make a destroyed battle mech with a side torso blown up and it's fallen on the ground and in one side of the um, it's covered with uh, pieces you have the red LED and it looks like uh, the um, engine is uh, melting so we have lights and this is the, the, the training step for the put into a matcat arm LED oh that is cool stuff I'm looking at pictures right now very cool that is awesome. Okay, I will I will show, I will send uh, post in the Discord one picture of the base and uh, the base inside. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, pictures of uh, somebody did uh, a Star Wars Legion uh, lightsaber with that stuff. Oh, yeah, that's very very cool. Okay. How about that? Green green stuff world, conductive paint. That's a lot of stuff you got crammed into the uh, base there, Augustine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually one centimeter of height. Uh, so it's, and actually it's removable. The idea is that there will be a, there is a cover uh, that it's uh, removable and you can uh, switch on and off the the LED and change and recharge change the battery. It actually wow. looks well. It's uh, surprisingly, but it works. That is so cool. That's a whole nother spectrum. Yeah, to get into. That's cool. I like it. So we've already talked about mm -hmm. becoming a good painter and then becoming a good photographer, and now you have to become an electrical <laughs> engineer, person. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the hobby keeps going. <laughs> Sooner or yeah. later, you're going to have to get into aeronautics, too. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to start making them fly. Uh-huh. Very or nice stuff. walk. Make them walk. <laughs> oh, boy. It's no, it's no longer a base game. It's a <laughs> R R RC on terrain game. Uh, actually, uh, there's a trick. Uh, you can use magnets. You know that if you use uh, magnets uh, in the normal way, they will get uh, stuck. But if you uh, got in the opposite way, you will have a repulsion. 
And I have seen a model of a 747 Boeing uh, standing on the air without uh, any any tires or something like that, just uh, because inside it has a lot of uh, magnets. And in the base, there are a lot of magnets and they are repulsing. It's not very stable, not very good, but uh, for I was having just gonna, I was just going to ask, have they got fishing line or something there to keep it in place? Because how do you balance that? Every time I try and do that with a magnet, they go all over the place. <laughs> you got to have your polarity uh, squared pretty much so it maintains its orientation and specific height there, there's ways but it would take a lot of r&d very cool but, could you imagine somebody shows up to a game and then they set down their hovercraft and the hovercraft is literally off the off the base that would be like <laughs> mind-blowing oh that would be cool that would be feasible i think that would until be it like flies off the table <laughs> that's just wait just wait till you add a fan and a rudder that moves. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, well, Augustine, do you have do you have any further shout outs? Uh, yes, uh, since uh, I, I would like to make a shout out to my friends here in Spain, uh, Miguel Angel Fenteno, uh, Javier Anton, uh, Abraham, uh, Tony Vega. Uh, Angel Salas that they, they are my, my friends and I play with them from time to time and they have uh, turned my life into something less uh, boring and into a, um, um, a more interesting and full of surprises life very good people well that's awesome wonderful thank you and uh, thank you for joining us this has been uh, a lot of fun and just looking forward to the next time you're your stateside or maybe we can get over there sometime and uh maybe we can give you a better game than we did the last time so <laughs> ah <laughs> like, i promise be... you i will be in a clan mech <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i will use friendship and diplomacy the same way <laughs> and i'll make sure i'll have an anti-missile <laughs> <laughs> Two anti-missiles. Take the Koshi with two anti-missiles. <laughs> He's going to be running, what? what is it, the uh, Oler C that runs uh, three, three AMS? They get the arm blown off by missiles. <laughs> and, hey, Augustine, if you want to hang out with us, great. I know it's, I know it's a little later for you uh, in Spain, but uh, we got a couple other things we'll go over, but uh, this would be just want to say thank you again for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. I, I will, if you don't mind, I will remain here for half an hour, let more if, if you don't mind. You are welcome for as long as you want to stay. No <laughs> problems. <laughs> 100%. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is your history brief from Charles Gideon brought to you by Aries Games and Miniatures. I hear the title might be The Great Sneaky Bear Migration. Ooh. Those sneaky bears. Sneaky bears. On this episode of WolfNet History Briefs, the greatest relocation of people since the Exodus, and done in total secrecy. Hello WolfNet and welcome to this installment of WolfNet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech timeline. I'm Gideon. Here we go. 
Today we travel farther from the inner sphere than ever before to go to Stranamekti, the birthplace of the clans. The date is the 27th of April, 3060, and Bjorn Jorgensen, Khan of Clan Ghostbear, is making a statement to the Grand Council that would have far-reaching implications, not only for the clans, but also the inner sphere for the next century. In his address, he revealed the plans for the Ghost Bears to no longer be denizens of the clan homeworlds, and that they would, for most intents and purposes, become a clan of the inner sphere. The thing was, this was not a notice of intent which could be refuted. The migration had already taken place. Beginning in 3055, Bjorn had been covertly moving all his clan's personnel to their occupation zone, and now, with little anyone could do to stop him, he stood before the Khans and Sakhans of all the clans and told them so. To set the scene, we'll begin with Bjorn Jorgensen. Bjorn was unconventional in many respects, beginning with his status as a warrior. He had failed to earn a single kill in his trial of position after graduating from MechWarrior Sipco training. Following the clan's proclivity to avoid waste, he was given the opportunity to have a trial as an aerospace pilot where he defeated all three opponents. This cross-training gave him a unique perspective on strategy and tactics, which made him a top contender for the Khan-ship after opinion of Khan Karl Borjan had soured over the repeated setbacks the Ghost Bears faced during the first three waves of Operation Revival. Bjorn, learning from his predecessor's mistakes, was able to fight Comstar to a draw on Tukiad, but the clans came up short and the truce of Tukiad was enacted. This left Bjorn in a peculiar position. His clan was 1,500 light-years away, and because of the reforms he had implemented, relations had begun to warm between the Ghost Bears and the spheroids they had conquered. Bjorn had the foresight to see that this would create issues at some point. The familial bonds the Ghost Bears are renowned for would be strained and possibly even torn apart by these factors, so he convened the Blood Name Warriors and took a vote, and they decided the Bears would have a new home. This was unknown territory. Only the exiled wolves had attempted anything similar, but that had been an act of desperation. What the ghost bear set out to accomplish was going to require incredible levels of secrecy and investment from every clan member. To even dare to attempt such an undertaking speaks volumes of the clan leadership's confidence in every member, regardless of caste. Bjorn gave the first indication of the changes within his clan only nine days before he revealed the relocation. Intersphere forces had landed on Stranamekti, demanding a trial to end the clan invasion in a series of battles now known as the Great Refusal. The Grand Council weighed the option of dismissing the challenge. The Crusaders, of course, wanted to avoid creating an obstacle to renewed invasion, while the Wardens welcomed what they viewed as a valid tactic. During the vote, Bjorn argued to allow the challenge and in doing so ensured the spheroid challenge would be met. Then, when it was assumed the Ghost Bears would be one of the clans to defend continued invasion, Bjorn shocked those in attendance again. He informed the council that the Ghost Bears had a change of heart and were now devoted wardens and had no desire to spill the blood of spheroids. He shed some light on how he came to this by citing the instances where the inner sphere forces had defeated the clans and how this put him in an ideological paradox. If the inhabitants of the inner sphere were barbarians, it should be impossible for them to resist the way of the clans. But they had, numerous times. And if they were not savages, then what need was there to conquer them? His solution 
was simply to opt out. Some in the room appeared to believe Bjorn had further schemes at play, but because of the total concealment of their relocation, none could guess what that might be. The other wardens took Bjorn's lead and eventually all bowed out, leaving only the Crusaders to face the Inner Sphere. A few days later, the eight Crusader clans fought for their ideologies against the best warriors the Inner Sphere could muster. But the Ghost Bears did not stand with them, and those battles deserve their own history brief. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who failed to learn from history are doomed. Hi, welcome back to Wolfnet Radio Podcast, and we are uh, enjoying uh, some news coming up with events. We are going to look at uh, we got uh, an event coming up next weekend. We have a Minneapolis trip for a garage con ish, or is that Ghoulies? That's Ghoulies event. It is um, uh, Minneapolis Garage Con, um, but Sean is hosting at his place. Nice. Uh, so shout out to Sean for stepping up and wanting to host. So we're going to be descending on his place uh, Saturday afternoon to run another 350 tournament. I'm really is, excited about it. Is that going to be like a, a new kind of stipulation? If you win the tournament, you host it next oh. time? Uh, that <laughs> nice. would be awesome if we did do that. I, like I kind of like it. Start, clean it, start cleaning like out it. your garage if you want to win. That's the only reason my garage got cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> you win, you have to host. You got to host the next one. I like that's That's pretty good. We might have to do that. That's, that's sharing good. some good... Uh, so we've got that event coming up, and then the other one that I'm really excited about, and everyone make sure that you uh, thank uh, Mr. Kevin Witt, uh, Brashido, for the May 15th event, because he kind of reached out to me on the, on the side and said, uh, is there any chance we can do an event sometime soon? And I kind of had that come out as a, I would really like to play this 350 thing since I painted my chi galaxy and they look freaking awesome and I want to put them on the table. So we're going to hold an event in Clinton, Iowa, which is you just about cut out. 45 yeah. minutes <laughs> north of Davenport. You cut out right when you said Clinton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. So you said kind yeah, of a weird, sorry. weird so word. Clinton, C-L-I-N-T-O-N, Iowa. Uh, it's about 45 <laughs> minutes north of Davenport. Uh, the only reason that I kind of ended up there was uh, trying to be conscientious, conscientious of costs for people. And uh, we got accommodations. Block we got a block of rooms at an Econo Lodge, and they've got uh, a pretty neat setup where we've got a place to play, and it's a decent space. And it didn't cost us anything to do it. So. We're going to give it a roll and see how it goes. And if it goes well, we might have another annual thing that we're going to have to keep up. But uh, did we decide on so a name? Far? Rumble on the River. Rumble on the River. Nice. And so that's posted on uh, our Facebook page. Um, if you do have any questions, uh, PM me or, or reach out to any of us directly and, and we'll get you the info if you'd like to attend again we're that that event in iowa is may 15th um i'm still 
struggling to understand how many people that we're going to have because people don't realize that we have to plan ahead for all of this stuff and make sure that we have enough tables and boards that if more than 20 people show up, we're going to be stretched pretty tight, but um, the more the merrier. And as long as I know that we're going to have more than that, what we can accommodate, but um, I'm planning for 20 right now. We'll see what happens from there. Hell, I got a message from Se- Seneca was going back and forth thinking he was going to fly in for it, which would be awesome. So, uh, yeah. Nice. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he brings four, me. four Arctic wolves and we can make it work, right? <laughs> yes, you can. Yep. Bring all the Arctic wolves. <laughs> Bring all of the Arctic wolves. All two of variants of each two chassis. Yep. You can do it. Th- th- there's three chassis. Well, you can do six then. Six, oh, six no. Arctic wolves. I he don't know. Had seven, he those. had seven painted, so he's got it done, right? Stop giving him yeah. ideas. I don't know <laughs> how you cram those two hundred, but you can do it. If uh, you can do it, I'd have a couple skill sevens in there. But you ain't got a hair on your ass. Come on, bring that thing. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Um, also, anyway, so those, those are the two events. Also, forward. don't forget September is Gen Con, so I know it's it's going to be here faster than we know. So. And we're still, there, there's still a lot of conversation around Gen Con and what we're going to do there. Um, just so, just so that we'll put out, I have secured a place that is not Gen Con. Um, just for the simple fact of, we don't know how tickets are going to go. We don't know how many they're going to allow in mm-hmm. and people are already, I think there's a lot of folks that are looking to game and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to not, I want to provide the means for people to game. And we have a, a beautiful facility at the Battle Barn to use over the weekend where we could run multiple events over the weekend. Um, so, That's such a great place. We're going to figure that out. Just if, if you want a game, plan on going to Gen Con. Even if you don't get a ticket, um, we're going to be there host. We're going to be there running events. So yeah, a lot of this is determining on how Gen Con is going to be run. So yeah, but we have, we have alternate plans in place, right? We get any metrics for the Wolfnet regiment? Well, we got the YouTube challenge for charity. Oh, that's right. We need to establish that. Is it? Oh, I got I keep saying YouTube. It's YouTube. YouTube. So on the origins of battle mech, uh, podcast, which if you're not listening to them, you should. They're a great podcast. Uh, they threw the challenge down to Dirks, and uh, we just we we don't take kindly to that kind of uh, back talk uh, in our regiment. So apparently, we're gonna have to show these guys up. Community competition is awesome. So they, they were had- showing some moxie. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> showing some moxie. Um, <laughs> I think the idea was being floated around is to do this for charity, which yes. would be awesome. So we are still working out the details of how they're going to get beat and uh, by and what methods. But uh... oh man, oh don't don't talk too big, coach, because it's <laughs> well, that's we have to eat. That's a lot of crow. We have we have to talk big because you're our spokesman, Dirks. You're our spokesman. You don't understand. Aaron likes to fall from great heights. He does. That's just his thing. <laughs> There's no podium that is too tall. He likes to be able to have a chance to take a breath between yelling as he falls. 
They, thought my, they thought my call it. sign should be Icarus, but... Uh... There we go. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I like that, actually. <laughs> Still smoldering, huh? <laughs> that, that one is wood. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes! You are, officially, you are officially now Icarus. Augustine approved. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, we're, we're ironing out the details, uh, looking at doing some Mega Mech, maybe some MWO, um, which... It's going to be it's going to be interesting regardless of how we go about it. But yes, for some supremacy of BattleTech podcast. <laughs> so I like it. I like it. A lot. Um, we will get more details out to you guys uh, when we know them. So, but I think that's our four major things that are on the horizon. Yeah, I think that's about. Anybody else get anything else? Not that I can think of. Throw some shout-outs there. Who's got it? Oh, wait. Uh, one, one last thing. Um, just to recap what's been going on with the Wolfnet Regiment, um, the Genia 2 uh, campaign is pretty much done. Uh, Wolfnet was successful. Um, lots of lots of games were played in this one. There was, there was some heavy, heavy participation and... Uh, I think a lot of new people got in on this track and, and found out how much fun it is. Um, Hell, we played a lot during yeah, this track. We played <laughs> a lot more than we usually do. So it was it was really good. Uh, like I said, um, huge shout-outs for just the Wolfnet Regiment uh, to Gold and Eden. and, and Our Matt, captains. Yeah, all the captains, all the lieutenants, majors. Everyone did a great job. Um, it was, it was more, a lot of fun. Worse. More specifically, though, the, the folks who stepped up to do Op4. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's really what made this this campaign in particular a lot more successful is, is we had we had people stepping up to play Op4 multiple, and we were able to get through games. So and cheers for the bad guys. guys. <laughs> all those guys who took the all those guys who took the extra time to do that for for everyone. Um, thank you. That was you're not. You're not being missed. Yeah, we in couldn't your have done otherwise. So, but um, just a little news: uh, we won't have to have Op Four for the next uh, thing for the Wolfnet Regiment because um, we'll be turning on ourselves. We'll be we'll be uh, <laughs> a little PvP time. Uh, I know I'm a month late for March Madness, but uh, I have set up a. Um, Kind you love a, brackets. brackets. I love brackets. I do love brackets. brackets. So um, <laughs> right now we're doing, uh, it'll be company versus company. Or uh, sorry, star versus star. And we'll do a, a two rounds of pod play. And then uh, and then we'll filter into a bracket. And uh, the rules for, we're coming up with rules right now as to how to balance out some of the lighter stars versus some of the very very heavy stars um and i I have kind of a fun idea i'm going to do with that so uh be on the lookout for when i announce that uh here in the next couple of days um to just get ready for it can't just give everybody a rayokin (laughs) no (laughs) that wouldn't be any fun (laughs) let's just say there might be some hell's horses bondsmen's that uh come into play so So that could be fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think everyone uh, will have a good time with it as well. So that's the next thing coming up for the regiment. Nice. Shout outs. Andrew, you got a big list. 
Yeah, so I'm going to give a shout out to Augustine. Uh, thank you for joining us. And um, I want to publicly say thank you as well for um, some other things that we've had going on. Um, I, I'm so looking forward to it and I can't wait to let everyone else know. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, I want to give also a shout out to Mark Folan and James Topa. Um, there's some work being done um, on the Catalyst demo team. There's uh, so hopefully we we're working on some new stuff there, and I'm excited that they stepped up and, and hopefully we can do some really neat things there. And then uh, Ronald Baker, he ran a, a 350 tournament here not too long ago. And we've been, he got, in, I got in touch with him and we went back and forth a little bit. I sent him some party favors and uh, hopefully he'll be running a couple more 350s. And on behalf of uh, Ronald, I'd like to give a shout out to Carl. That's mine. Many thanks for by the way. You're welcome yeah, back anytime, Augustine. Yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> as as a uh, as someone that gets uh, uh, interviewed on the show, you have the right to come back and hassle anybody who is currently getting interviewed if you show up on Discord. Yeah, I don't remove I don't remove your permissions to the podcast channel. So if you see us in podcast and you want to join and give somebody shit while they're in their interview, <laughs> you are more than encouraged to do that. And, you and just, we'll, give, we'll give you a heads up before we get uh, Kevin Dub back on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Any I of the would... new CSO artists, we'll, we'll let you know so you can <laughs> let them have it. <laughs> I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I got a short one. Um, thanks to the community for um, keeping things going. Every, you know, Independent people, game shops, brick and mortar sponsors everybody who is continuing this movement keep it up kickstarters helping everything else artists everybody good job just maintain the march uh yeah and i'm gonna shout out uh chandler eden reller um been playing a lot of games with uh his group in the regiment and i think um what he does with his group he's got a lot of new players um but what he what i see him doing is what i really i, I guess it, it's exactly what i've always hoped um the <clears throat> regiment play would be helping people you know new people get used to the game um helping people explore different aspects of it I, he's just doing a great job um but his alternate personality on on the origin of Battle Max, I will crush you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, then, yes, crush it, crush him. If he dies, he dies. Um, and then uh, also everyone just who's been supporting the show, the efforts you know that we have, you know whether that's the Patreon, buying merch through Aries Games and Miniatures, um, clothing, all it's. It blows my mind when I see people posting pictures wearing something with a Wolfnet logo. I just, it, I can't even express how my how awesome that is to me. Um, and then, as always, uh, Kaji has so many conversations. Played a few games with him. Always insightful. Um, so thanks for all of the time and effort, man. I really do appreciate it. My shout outs go to. As with everybody, the fan base, of course. 
everybody that listens to us, whether you like us or not. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but my big shout out also goes out to Kaji just because uh, of a special audiobook that he uh, has came up with. Um, I liked it a lot. Oh my goodness! Did he read Charles's short story for you? Hell yeah! That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Gotta have it in audio, don't you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm looking at maybe trying to do something uh, special with it because he did he did a great job of it. So I'm gonna see if, if I can. You know, get it uh, kind of edited up and stuff, so I can kind of mass produce, mass share. But uh, yeah, he definitely. It was a oh, time he keeps asking for audiobooks, and he should read. He should quote unquote read your story. So here it is. That's awesome. He had a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just gonna thank uh, the same people, um, Augustine. Thanks for being on the show. Um, I want to thank uh, Topa for being the new uh, Delta uh, company commander. Um, Delta's back, baby. It's been dead for a while, but I think uh, we got some new new blood in there, and uh, that's going to be great. I want to thank all the regiment players, uh, especially the Op 4 guys. Um, it has been a lot of fun during this uh, campaign. I've had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, all of our all the people joining our Facebook page, um, thanks for... Uh, giving us a look, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we've got a good word out there that uh, this is a really fun BattleTech group, and I think it is. I think it's one of the best ones around. And uh, thanks for joining us. So that's pretty much my shoutouts. And if you have any comments, concerns, questions, you can reach us at uh, WNRP at WallStreetGames.com. You can reach us on Discord, Patreon, Facebook page, Queensboro. YouTube. And we hope you have YouTube, <laughs> especially YouTube, because then you can actually see us. Anyways, you have a great uh, afternoon and a pleasant tomorrow. Ooh. 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 Woof. Woof. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs>